When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, Tom Lupin. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save me by Camp Talbot. Rolls to the left side. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The Labor Day long weekend is almost upon us. One more day at work. Unless you're like some people and you're taking a four-day weekend, then the holiday has already begun. Hope it's going to be a good one. Hope it's going to be a good one Monday afternoon. Eskimos at Stampeders. The Labor Day Classic. Edmonton leading the all-time series 29-27 with one game tied. We'll have it for you here on 6.30, Ched. The countdown to kickoff will be at 11.30. The game will start at 1. CFL tonight. It is Ottawa leading Montreal 1-0. Yes, that's it. Just a single point so far. 1-0 for the Red Blacks. With about two and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Blue Jays in Baltimore tonight. They trail the Orioles 3-0 that game in uh, the third inning. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. And guess who is back? Ben releases from the backfield. Riley's going to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman with the TD, and the Eskimos take the lead. Adarius Bowman off the six-game injured list. He is expected to play on Monday against the Stampeders. I'm, I'm, I'm used to this, this rival, so this is something that I've been uh, waiting to get back to for a year now. You know, and so... Uh, I was actually just explaining to Duke and a lot of the, the, the younger guys, and I know he went to Auburn, so I'm like, you remember those college rivals? That's how I feel like uh, the, the Labor Day Classic kind of gives me that same feeling. You know, uh, it lasts with you the whole year. You know, no matter how your season kind of end up in the end, everybody kind of remember Labor, Labor Day. And I know uh, for us, it's, it's, it's been tough. I've been here seven years now, so it's been tough when we go down there. So we're really trying to make a change this year. And uh, so I think the guys are understanding, you know, we got our – are things we do and don't do during this week, and uh, we're teaching it to the younger guys, but uh, this is definitely something that's serious about serious with us, the veteran guys that's here, and so uh, I'm, I'm extra ready. What, what better game to come back on? All right, and the Eskimos you know, appear to be getting at least somewhat healthier. You know there's a list of guys who are going to be out for the season, but uh, Bowman 
expected to play. Vidal Hazelton will see. He was a partial participant at practice today. Adam Konar in the linebacking core. He's expected to be back, so he'll join Kenny Ladner and Alex Hoffman-Ellis at linebacker. And uh, Hoffman-Ellis is going to join us in a few minutes here on Inside Sports. So uh, some good signs injury-wise. And, and if, they, if Hazelton and Bowman both play, then you really have a full complement of uh, receivers. The O-line's been fairly healthy. you got Riley at quarterback. Yard down to the third string running back. There are some good things about Perkins. We'll see how he can play in the big game. So some positive news for the Eskimos offensively. So knock on wood, they stay healthy here through practice and are fine going into Monday. Mike Riley, happy to get Bowman back. He's a guy I played a lot of football with. He's played great football. Uh, throughout his career, he's been a big weapon for us. Uh, you know, you put the depth chart up on the screen this morning. You see four on there, and you're like, "Who's that? You know, who's the new guy?" Um, but it was great to have him out here. You know, he's uh, he doesn't look rusty at all. He's running very fluid, very smooth. Um, and again, he's a guy that you know, I don't have to work on getting timing with him. With him being that far, you know, removed from playing, because we played so much football together. So we kind of picked up right where we had left off, and and uh, it's good to have him back out here. All right, so Mike Riley ready to go here against the Calgary St. Peter. So Erdarius Bowman back on the field. That is the big news. We'll keep you updated tonight. And, of course, you can get more on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Good to have you along for the ride this evening. Uh, yeah, we're going to have two really, really good interviews with interesting guys coming up. Alex Hoffman-Ellis from your Eskimos and Rob Maver, who's uh, the punter for the Calgary Stampeders. Curtis Lazar, the former Oil King, with some hockey talk tonight. He's uh, trying to make his mark with the Calgary Flames this season. Bob Stoffer will hop on a little bit later and we'll get you set for Sunday's game between the Edmonton Huskies and the Edmonton Wildcats in the Prairie Football Conference. Huskies head coach Ian McLean will be on the show. His team is 3-0. The game is at Clark Park on Sunday afternoon at 1 if you're interested in checking that out. The U of A Golden Bears will play at or pardon me, home to the Calgary Dinos at seven tomorrow. Canada West football getting rolling, and FC Edmonton uh, has a game coming up. Uh, is there, are they tomorrow? They're Saturday at five thirty as they're going to visit North Carolina. So just some other things going on uh, with some of the local sports teams. As always, you can call seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. The email inside sports at six thirty ched dot com, and you can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. We have a text from. Dave Leppard, who's a loyal listener to the show and, like me, a big Def Leppard fan, he says, Hey, Reed, can you give us the quick breakdown on the Guns N' Roses show? Well, I sure can. First of all, and this was entirely weird, so Kellen Kennedy, who's the studio producer this evening, was not going to the concert, and then he informs me a couple days ago, I got tickets, I'm going to the concert. I was like, great, that's awesome. Uh, So I go to the concert Late, I, I worked until uh, 8 o'clock. I drive home. I live four blocks from Commonwealth Stadium. So my buddy, who I was going with, dropped off the, the ticket at, at my house. I, I, uh, I walk over. Missed, I think I missed the first eight or nine songs. So I'm walking down to my seats, and I get to my row. And who would be sitting there? Hello. But Kellen Kennedy. <laughs> How weird was that? <laughs> there, well, there had to be... I didn't even check the attendance. Over 40,000 people there. Yeah, about 40, 45,000. somehow uh, we wind up basically six rows apart. Or six chair. pardon me, six seats apart. Yeah, it wasn't very far apart. In the same apart. row. Yeah. No, exactly. well, that, you were right, right there at the end of my row. That yeah. was, and then these were not tickets through the station or anything like that. Like, my buddy Just, bought these tickets. You, oh, okay. Yeah. 
See, my, yeah, see, mine well, was from a different source entirely, to too, so, yeah. A so. different source entirely. That yeah, yeah. sounds shady. Yeah, I got a source. I can't tell you where I got the tickets, but let me tell you, these seats are going to knock your socks off. It's called the internet. <laughs> well, right, which is yeah. how my, my friend, but we purchased, he purchased, what happened was I bought the Def Leppard tickets, he bought the Guns yeah. N' Roses tickets, and we mm. called it a watch. Uh, cool. I was quickly talking with Jay Leno. I, I really enjoyed the show. I had never seen Guns N' Roses before. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. It was a, a certainly a long show. You got your money's worth in terms of the time they played and the number of songs they mm. played. Uh, I, I mean, I was looking at the set list online, so I knew they did a lot of covers, and when you actually hear it, a couple were a little surprising, or you think, how does this exactly fit? I mean, they, they could have done all of Appetite yeah. for Destruction. They did eight songs off it. They could have done all 12, but, I, but I'm nitpicking here. You're reminded why Axel was, you know, has been mm. considered a good rock singer. He had the controlled screech going. Slash was uh, outstanding. The band was very sharp. They had a couple keyboardists uh, helping out on some of the songs. So yeah. they were really good. Did you see Our Lady Peace? Yes, I did. And? Great. Uh, really? Ray Maida still sounds like he did 25 years ago or so. Uh, they did all their hits. Um I'm definitely going to have to check out Our Lady Peace when they come to town as a headlining act next time they do come to town as a headlining act because uh, that was my first time ever seeing them live. And that's a band that, you know, I grew up watching on, you know, the various music much stations. Music. That's much music, yeah, that's right. Does much music still exists. Much Loud with George Stromalopoulos. Was he on that station? He was the host of Much Loud for the longest time, yeah. Whatever happened to game. Erica M? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Rachel Perry was always the one that did it for me. Like she was, she was cute. I like Rachel Perry. All right, I, I remember Eric. And wasn't there a uh, guy with blonde curly hair? Was that Steve Anthony? Something like that. Uh, see, that predates when I watched. I remember see, him. When I started watching, it was Master P, Rick Campanelli, oh, okay, uh, Ed the Sock, guys like that. All right. Well, that's cool. So uh, there are some uh, quick thoughts on the Guns N' Roses concert. If you went. You can chime in, 6.30, 6.30. Ottawa now up 4 nothing on Montreal. They are just into the second quarter. CFL action tonight. We'll preview our big Battle of Alberta tilt coming up. Alex Hoffman-Ellis from the Eskimos when we get back. This is Mark Patestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. So Darius Bowman expected to go on Labor Day. That is some good news for the green and gold. Get more on the Ched website. Husky texting in. He says, uh, to be honest, I half expected Guns N' Roses to be a little past their prime. They definitely proved me wrong. Great show. Another texter says, hey, Reed, I read last night that the Oilers and Aginla are in talks for a one-year contract. Any traction to that? I'll tell you what, and I'll uh, tease this up. Uh, we'll talk about that with Bob Stoffer later on tonight. I got a lot of respect for Jerome Aginla. Would I go down that road? I don't know if I would, um, but uh, I guess we'll see. The Eskimos in Calgary on Monday. Linebacker Alex Hoffman-Ellis hoping the Eskimos can bounce back from a tough loss to Saskatchewan. Alex, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for making time for me. And uh, you guys are back on the on the practice field today. Uh, Alex, g- give me a sense of what this last week has has been like for you and the team. Are you are you guys raring to get back out there, given a given a tough result last time against Saskatchewan? Absolutely. Anytime you get a result like that, you really just want to get the sour taste out of your mouth and kind of want to bounce back and be on the field as soon as possible. So it's good, good to get back at it, get back to work. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, the big, uh, big hype always going into this uh, this Labor Day game. This I, I I don't know if you've ever been on a seven and two team that was only in third place. It's pretty crazy in the West, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, got a got a pretty stacked division. So uh, you know, uh, comp- competition and is uh, is at an all time high. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, you know, I, w- I want to give fans a chance to uh, get to know you a little bit here. Did you, did you you grew up in in Los Angeles? Did you live in LA most of your your childhood? Uh, yeah, my my parents still have still have the house I was born and raised in. Right on. Okay, so was it? When did you start playing football? Were you one of these like you were a little guy? You were out there playing, or when did it become your your sport of choice? No, nah, I didn't play my first football game until I was 17. I was really? a senior in high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to. I wanted to give it a shot starting in grade 10, and uh, was academically ineligible for two years. Um, and then once I went to my second high school, I was able to gain eligibility, and uh, just kind of took off from there. All right. Well, that's a pretty interesting story because a lot of uh, you know a lot of American guys start. Maybe as you probably know from being in the league, some of the Canadian guys maybe don't play till they were in high school. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of American guys start playing a little younger. What what were you? What, was there another sport you played or something else that got you going athletically? Oh yeah, I was a, I was a basketball and baseball guy growing up. Basketball first sport, baseball second, and uh, you know it was back and forth, and then the. Uh, you know, high school and senior year came around. And I just wanted to try as many things as possible, so I picked up uh, picked up football and picked up track and field. And those uh, those are the two sports I've most most recently played. Uh, did track in junior college uh, as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's all, always been always been into athletics and trying new things. All right. Well, I mean, football um, obviously became a huge part of your life. You've been able to do it professionally, and that's what's interesting, Alex. Is I mean, you you've I mean, you're a very if people haven't sort of looked up your online presence and followed you on Twitter and read some of your stuff, you're a pretty thoughtful guy. Uh, you don't mind. You got an incredible blog where you're comfortable talking about a lot of stuff and revealing some things about yourself. Before I get into the specifics, where does that willingness and desire to sort of express yourself come from because as you know alex you're a sports fan too i'm sure sometimes athletes speak in cliches and and don't let people uh behind the curtain at all where does that willingness uh come from for you to open up publicly a little bit when athletes speak in cliches i i hate that crap uh it's it's boring it's not real um, you know, you, I want to, I want to be able to, to connect with people. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a football player forever. Eventually the transition is going to come and I want to be able to connect, uh, with others around me. Um, so that is why I choose to share that part of myself. Uh, in addition to, um, you know, I was, I was raised, um, you know, uh, and you know, but my family's a small, smaller family, somewhat. Um, you know, my mom and dad still married. I've uh, got a sister and a brother, and um, uh, I think we're we're pretty. Uh, lack, I, I guess I guess sensitive bunch. I mean, I think I think we wear. I think we we tend to wear our hearts on our sleeves, and so. Uh, 
you know, for for so long, I kind of tried to suppress that to kind of fit the mold of the of the stereotypical male athlete, and it just it wasn't working out because it wasn't who I am, um, and so I just kind of a combination of, of decided and um, you know my life experiences and and whatnot kind of pushed me in my direction as well as when I when I've sought out guidance from you know whether it be my sister my mom and my dad you know they always uh, always encouraged me to to go with my heart and not be be afraid to to express myself and um, I've really really taking that advice to heart and I, I don't mind sharing that because I'm not ashamed of it well, that's that, those are great words. Alex Hoffman, Ellis Eskimos linebacker, joining us tonight on, on Inside Sports. You know, that's that's a really cool attitude, and it's it's great how you've committed to it. I want to ask you one thing specifically uh, that shows up in your in your bio because I don't think I've ever interviewed an athlete that had this as a bit of a a hobby or a, a side thing, if you want to call it that. You are a jewelry uh-huh. maker. You're, you, you, on your tw- Twitter bar, you have jewelry maker. Now, you got to tell us about this, uh, you know, what you do and how this got started. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, kind of, a, a lot of it started, I, I got released, and so I was kind of looking for a hobby, and I just, I have, uh, I have seashells I've collected from all my travels around the world, and so I made this, I made a necklace with uh, with a sand dollar. Um, pretty pretty simple, but it was uh, you know it turned out to be pretty cool and was kind of encouraged to uh, to explore a little further what I could do. And so, um, I mean, my my sister was a uh, was an art photography major in university. Uh, my mom is uh, is an interior designer, and so uh, you know art artist. Uh, artistry runs in my family creativity does and so i kind of wanted to explore that side being that as as an athlete um who's who's, you know been about sports for most of his life i haven't really got to explore that side of myself and so whenever i can try to branch out and so i've been doing that for for a few months now i've got some of my some of my stuff is uh is up for sale actually in a in a coffee shop slash community arts house here in Edmonton um, and uh, and then the other stuff I kind of just uh, you know I'll, I'll sell through social media I'm not like <laughs> not looking to make a fortune or anything I just love to see I love to see people rocking my stuff uh, something that I've created with my hands Nice. Well, that's really cool. Uh, Alex Hoffman Ellis joining us on Inside Sports. We, you know, we talked a little bit about your, your path through football. You started playing in high school, and, and you've been mm-hmm. lucky enough to do it professionally. And, you know, tying into the your openness in terms of talking to fans, and there is the blog here. Uh, I'm just going to read the first sentence from the part3downnation.com put. This is about a week ago. You put, I, I fear losing a large part of my identity when football is over. Uh, you know, you're a pretty young guy. You're only 28 years old, but you've obviously given some thought to what am I going to do? Who am I going to be once I can no longer play this crazy game, eh? Sure. Um, it's a it's a scary thought because it's a, it's such a huge part of our identity. I mean, I'm, you know, we're we're having this interview right now because I'm a football player. It's not because I'm a poet. It's not because I make jewelry. It's because I play football. So. 
you know, when the, when the lights go out, that uh, particular form of my life, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge chapter to move on from. And it's been, it's been a really scary thing for a long time because um, sports has long been my way of kind of socializing and, and breaking the ice in order to socialize. So without sports, it's, uh, I've thought, you know, who who am I? Do I do I become invisible? Do I just fade into kind of anonymity with uh, with the average general population? And so, um, you know, I've, I've kind of spent a lot of recent time coming to terms with the fact that, you know, while it while it is a huge part of my identity, that's that's not necessarily who I am. It's it's what I do, and those are um, those are two separate aspects of my life. And and what I do doesn't necessarily define me, which you know is is obvious to say, but it's another thing to to really fully understand and, and cope with when uh, the chapter in your life can potentially come to a close um, on any given play. And so. Um, you know, I've I've definitely explored and I'm, and I'm comfortable. Um, if if football was was to end tomorrow, um, and knock on wood, I do not want it to. But if it was to end, uh, I, I have a plan, and I know um, thanks to that plan and, and my support network that I would I would be just fine. Well, the, I mean that's incredible. Thanks, thanks for opening up about that for sure. Uh, you're going to be a uh, part of the Labor Day Classic here on Monday. Do you have a favorite rivalry that you've experienced, either as a fan or as a player? There's one to end it off with. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I was part of a great rivalry in in, uh, in university, the Apple Cup. Um, but I mean, because football wasn't a part of my life until I was 17, I grew up. Um, you know, rooting for uh, for the Lakers, and so the uh, the rivalries growing up during the, during the Shaq and Kobe years, watching that as a fan, you know, when uh, you know whether it was Lakers and the Kings and the in the Western Conference playoffs or uh, Lakers and the and the Blazers, um, there was, and then there was later in Kobe's career, the Lakers and the and the Celtics, and. Um, all, all of that was just uh, it, was, it was something special to watch as a fan. So, so uh, def- definitely been part of the part of the cheering section and a rivalry before for sure. Right on. Well, Alex, thanks for letting listeners get to know you a little bit tonight. Hope you have a great game on Monday. Thank you so much for your time on Inside Sports. Absolutely appreciate it, Reed. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Now 12-0, Ottawa leading Montreal in the CFL. Ottawa coming in 3-6-1. Montreal is 3-6. Baseball tonight, Blue Jays trailing the Orioles 5-2. That game now in the bottom of the fourth. You can text 630-630. This texture says, I've seen Guns N' Roses three times. This was the best show by far. Back in the day, Axel would come out whenever he wanted to and make the crowd wait. We waited for them 
to start until 1.30 in the morning in Santiago, Chile. They have grown up a lot. The show was tight. That's a text to 6.30, I had never seen them before, but I, I would agree. It was a pretty tight show. They sounded quite polished. And uh, like I said, played for three hours. Yeah, long-time long veteran uh, concert goers here in the city, and that's if we're telling me a story that uh, Guns N' Roses, this is back in the 2000s when Axel was putting together the final touches on Chinese democracy, had uh, a concert at the old arena at the Coliseum, and he didn't show up until midnight okay, because no, the we moon talking, wasn't in the No, right. we were talking about this the other day, oh, okay. and this was apparently, oh, I can't remember, it was not in the 2000s. Okay. It was Appetite for Destruction. Okay. It was a long time ago. Yeah, but the moon wasn't in the right phase or something like that and he didn't walk out the moon had to be like in the right spot in the sky it's an unusual man yes but i think he has grown i mean they're all in their 50s now so yeah it was a very polished show absolutely we just had alex hoffman ellis on the show linebacker for the edmonton eskimos got a texture in the interview simply saying wow is this guy a breath of fresh air i gotta say i i you know here here's the thing uh, dave campbell and morley scott cover the eskimos um, so it's often one of them, more often Dave, since he's also the producer of the show, who will suggest a guest from the Eskimos, and I like talking to the players. And he said, have Alex Offman Ellis on. And first of all, I thought to myself, oh, great, the guy who plays a position that I've been criticizing daily since they lost to Saskatchewan. And Dave's like, just trust me, he's a good talker. Read, read his website, read his blog, find out a little bit about him. So I thought, okay, sounds like he's, he's a good talker. There's, there's more to him than, than just being an athlete. And man, during that interview, I was, I was like, is this actually where we're going? Uh, you know, I, I said, why are you willing to write about yourself, talk about different stuff besides sports? And what, what did he say? I hate that cliche crap. So, and very old, 28 years old, very open, talking about his fears for life after football. What is he going to do with his life? You know, he obviously has defined himself as an athlete. And what did he say? I mean, you're not interviewing me because I'm a poet or I make jewelry or I do anything else. You're interviewing me because I'm a football player who happens to have other interests, but it's the football part of his life that often gets him attention or, uh, you know, allows him to, people take interest in him socially and and all those kind of things that go along with uh, some of the attention that an athlete can get. So a very interesting guy. That was Alex Hoffman Ellis from uh, from the Edmonton Eskimos. You can text 630-630, the phone number is 780-496-00. Norman Attractor says, Hey, Reed, the St. Albert Miners Senior B Lacrosse Club is 4-1 and one at Nationals Down East. They are trying to repeat as President's Cup champions. Norman Attractor, thank you for that update. We'll appreciate that. I'll have to keep an eye on that team for sure as we, uh, as we roll along. Reed Wilkins coming to you inside sports on 630 Chad. Montreal is on the board, but it's only with the good old Rouge. 12-1, the Red Blacks leading the Alouettes. Four and a half minutes left in uh, the first quarter. Curtis Lazar is going to join us a little bit later on. Bob Stoffer from Oilers Now will be on the show. Uh, we'll talk some rivalries with him. I know he's excited for the Labor Day Classic. And we'll touch on the uh, Jerome Aginla possibly uh, being signed by Edmonton. Rumors that have surfaced over the last 24 hours or so. We'll, uh, we'll see what Bob thinks of that. I don't know if a 40-year-old Jerome McGinley is going to have the type of impact that the Oilers need. I know, I know he's still you know, strong, willing to defend his teammates, do all that kind of stuff. Is there the type of role for him that he's used to on this team? I'm not sure that there is, but uh, we'll discuss that with Bob. We should say, well, 
No, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much in case the interview falls through. Something for tomorrow, but it'd be something a little different and somebody pretty. Well, now I'm giving a little bit away. Hopefully, a, a prominent musician will be on the show tomorrow. I'll leave it at that, Kellen. You don't even know about this, do you? No, I don't. And you'd have to deny it even if you no. did. The only thing that I got on my sheet for tomorrow is former yeah, Don't Eskimo. say it. Don't no. say it. No, no, no. Don't say anything. Okay. Don't say anything. I can't talk about the football thing? Nope. Nope. We'll okay. say we're saving all of that. Then I'm not saying nothing. You're not saying anything. I don't know Gra- nothing. Grammar's important. All right, we're coming up on 641. Uh, well, we, we had a really interesting interview with Alex Hoffman Ellis. In a couple minutes, I think we're going to have another one. Rob Maver, very well-spoken and intelligent punter for the Calgary Stampeders. His story when we get back. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, we got a we got a controversy. We got a kerfuffle. Somebody's making bubbles. This texture says no. That concert was 2007 in Edmonton. That's when Axel was mad at Slash. Didn't start till midnight. It was over after three in the morning. That's from Keith. But some we were talking about this the other night, and somebody right. texted and said that there was a show circa 1990 that started quite late as well. This may have been Axel's mo for much of his life. So there very well could have been more than one show in Edmonton that started obscenely late. Could very well be. Last I mean, night, over, it was over by 10.45. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. I know a lot of people were commenting on a couple of photos I put on Facebook and that stuff were like, wow, he showed up early. Well, I think he's got his act together. I think so. I think they're having fun again, which is great. I don't know, I don't know if he and Slash are friends. I don't know if there's going to be another tour, but they can keep extending this one as long as they're making money. That's often how this goes. Eskimo Stampeders, Monday on 6.30. Chad, coverage will start at 11.30. Uh, the Eskimos will be trying to get after this guy and return his kicks. Rob Maver is the punter for the Calgary Stampeders. Rob, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? Doing very well. appreciate you making time for us on the show tonight. Uh, I, I know the uh, practice here is, uh, is ramping up for Monday's game. Let me ask you this, Rob. I mean, you've been through this a few times. Does the prep for this game feel any different? Is there a different uh, vibe in the city and with with Stampeders fans and maybe the media around, or or is it is it just the uh, any other game type scenario you try to look at it? What's it like getting ready for this one? I mean, to brush off Labor Day as any other game uh, is just plain wrong uh, for so many reasons. One, it's the Battle of Alberta. Despite, you know, the other perceived uh, rivalries, if you will, in CFL, truly this one is second to none. Uh, Even growing up as a kid in Ontario, I knew that, you know, the CFL really has its heart in Alberta because of the great teams like Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, So from that, you recognize that, um, you know, it's, it's a super important game just because points in the West Division are so key. And this is our first of three games against the Eskimos. And, you know, they feel the same way there. Uh, furthermore, the second half of the year is when you want to start becoming a better football team. Uh, you know, it's it's not commonly said, but I feel a lot of people understand the fact that teams really figure out and tread water who you are the first nine games of the year, and then what you're going to do in the playoffs is largely shaped by the type of performances that you're able to put together in the tail end of the year, and that starts on Labor Day. Uh, we're going to have more fans there than any other game of the year. Uh, there's going to be a flyover. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but, you know, definitely there's a sense of, uh, 
excitement in the air, you know, and this is the closest thing that you can have uh, to play off football in the regular season. It's not even close. So Calgary's really excited. I'm sure that Edmonton's excited and we're obviously hoping for a great football game. Well, that's a great answer and, and, you know, a really detailed perspective about what the game means and, and where it fits in terms of the uh, the overall schedule for the season. Rob, you made, you made an interesting point there where you said teams kind of go through the first half of the season and start to figure out who they are, and then they keep trying to build on that in the second half of the season. Let me ask you this, and this is a Calgary team with a lot of continuity that you guys had two excellent regular seasons in 15 and 16, but unfortunately uh-huh. But didn't get didn't get to where you wanted in terms of the Grey Cup. What, what is the identity of this year's Stampeders team, or what do you hope the identity becomes maybe in the weeks to come? We're getting better. I think that's kind of one of the things that we've always been stressing is the fact that we need to keep becoming a better football team. Uh, so, I mean, the wins and losses, you know, that's kind of not something that you want to analyze too much because that's truly a product of your preparation and the quality of football that you're playing on the field. But if you look at us, I would say that you would see a, t- a team that's trending upwards on all three sides of the football. We're getting better on offense. We're getting better on special teams. Uh, you know, defense uh, pitched a shutout in, uh, against Toronto on Saturday. So this is a team that is getting better, and I think that's becoming our identity right now as a football team on the rise. Rob Maver from the Calgary Stampeders joining us on Inside Sports. The Eskimos are going to be in Calgary on Monday for the uh, annual Labor Day game. Uh, look, Calgary's been pretty good uh, on Labor Day. Uh, what, five straight wins on on, uh, on Labor Day. This, the overall series is close going way back. The Eskimos got a two-win advantage. Do you have a favorite uh, Labor Day moment from uh, from your, your what well, you started in 2010, I want to say? Do you have a favorite? Uh, 2010, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, do you have a favorite um, Labor Day moment? Oh, my goodness, there's so many. Uh, I mean, I remember my first year, um, I watched Fred Stamps just go off. And, you know, that's not a favorite moment, but that's one of the moments that I look back on is just him being, you know, in blanket coverage and coming down with these Ricky Ray sevens, uh, you know, a corner route, just bringing him in one hand by our sideline right in front of the kick net. That was pretty cool. Uh, I think you look at 2012, it was, or 2013, uh, when the two games back-to-back came down to field goals, and we were on the fortunate side of those plays. Um I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, the flyover is always something that you know. Um, Alberta really does get excited for this game, though. And another thing, too, that I failed to mention previously was that we are bringing out our all, 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 uh, our alternate uniforms, pardon me. And I know you guys are going to be doing that for the second game, too. So uh, there's just so, m- so many great memories. But the main thing is just that, you know, you get a little bit more excited for this one. And, you know, it means a little bit extra, and winning in Alberta is important, especially when you're playing the other team in Alberta. Rob, I want to take uh, take you back a little bit here because I love uh, finding out about uh, athletes and, and how they got rolling with their careers. How did you become a, a kicker? Was this, you know, a, a, a football <laughs> calling right away, or did you pick it up when you were a little older? Give me the story here. Well, I took my first football when I was 18 years old. It's I'd like to tell you the story that I grew up playing quarterback. It's like, no, I grew up idolizing Peyton Manning, but I realized that the only way that I would have a job description within football was that I'd be kicking the ball to the other team, not throwing touchdowns myself, unfortunately. Um, 18 years old, fourth year of high school. Uh, saw the high school kicker on the field. I, you know, I was a soccer kid growing up, and 
said, you know, I think I can do a better job than that. So I went out there, got football cleats. I didn't kick in soccer cleats my first year and, you know, made some big kicks. And, you know, then I learned how to punt because that's typically the progression that young kickers have is that you learn to kick first and then punt second because, you know, the latter is far more difficult than the latter or than the first. Um, so went back for a victory lap, as you were able to do back in 2003, 2004, rather. And then, um, yeah, played some junior football, went to the University of Guelph, and then I got drafted here. But this is my eighth year here in Calgary, and I'm extremely fortunate for that. All right, here's one. What is the one thing that fans or media say about kickers that bugs you the most? <laughs> Just kind of the fact that, you know, people will make fun of you and be like, you know what, like, oh, like, you're not even a football player, you're just a kicker. And, you know, I, I think that you wouldn't find one guy in our locker room here in Calgary or the same one in Edmonton that doesn't appreciate our contributions to the team. You know, just because we're not out there uh, hitting each other for 50 plus plays a game doesn't mean that we aren't very important in the outcome of the game and that doesn't mean that we work very hard at our skill to contribute in a positive manner um you know i know when i pin one inside the 10 our defense is really excited and i know when renee goes on on those streaks of hitting 30 plus field goals that's comforting uh you know much like sean you know i mean uh, a couple years ago when he hit that 52 yarder against winnipeg you know i mean everybody knew that sean was special but you look at the things that he's done to that team and Nobody inside the building thinks of Sean as any less of a football player uh, than anybody else on that team. But I think sometimes the perception outside the building is that that's not so. And that's just, you know, pretty ignorant, <laughs> for lack of a better word there. Well, and sometimes, uh, you know, the, as you know, the Eskimos had a couple of kicks uh, blocked. I guess one was kind of more deflected than blocked, but Saskatchewan got a defensive convert of it. And every, every, every uh, against this, uh, well, against Saskatchewan on Friday, we had, there was a blocked punt and oh, a, right, right, a convert right. that yeah. was tipped. And I know people were on on Hugh O'Neill too. And I think that's a, a misconception that a blocked punt usually I don't think is on the punter. Maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not aiming for guys' hands, right? Like sometimes there's a guy no. who just appears no. there and it gets blocked. No. <laughs> Well, I saw the play, and my uh, suspicion of who was at fault was confirmed in film this week in meetings. Um, but I will say this. It's definitely not Hugh's fault. Uh, if somebody comes unblocked, and especially if that man is Willie Jefferson, who has a 48-foot wingspan, you're probably going to be in some big trouble in terms of getting the kickoff. So, um, you know, it's, football is the ultimate team sport, though, and every single position on the field is only as good as round of the pieces uh, they're only as good as the pieces around them, and uh, it's just like throwing a ball. You know, you need protection in order to deliver the football, and obviously the kicking game is no exception there. Rob, give me a sense of, of uh, your practice habits. I mean, sometimes people compare a, a kicking stroke you know, whether they say, well, it's like a golf swing, you got to you got to replicate, you got to put yourself in different situations and try different types of shots in golf or different types of punts. Is, is that is that a fair comparison? And give me a sense of your uh, practice routine, how many times you'll actually like unleash a full power punt in a day. Uh, wow, that's a great question. Um, I usually kind of uh, so after the game, you know, I'll take a couple of days off and then uh Basically, every single, uh, the first day, you know, we work a certain style of punt, and then uh, day two, we work a different style of punt. And But it's kind of like, you know, driver and pitching wedge, you know, I would speak it to, although I don't really hit a driver anymore just because I'm trying to place the ball better now. But, um, you know, I just, 
I'm really cognizant of what I'm trying to accomplish within the reps during practice. So if it's trying to improve the rotation on the ball, if it's trying to shorten my steps, if it's trying to quicken my op time, if it's trying to get it closer to the sideline, I'll work that within the type of punt that we're practicing that day. Uh, but now, um, you know, I only kick uh, two days a week plus the game. So it's just, you know, working a lot on the fundamentals, um, how those vary per kick. You know, basically if I'm hitting a coming out punt versus a going in punt, if I'm kicking cross field, if I'm kicking with the crosswinds, there's certain things that you need to be mindful of with different winds too. And basically it's just owning your fundamentals and then executing under the circumstances that you're given on game day. Uh, you mentioned the wind, uh, most difficult wind conditions, uh, which stadium, which city to kick in? You know what? Uh, a lot of people think that Calgary is an easy place to kick just because of the um, the altitude, but the wind is really tricky here, and I would say Hamilton. Uh, Winnipeg prior to IGF uh, at Canadens was a nightmare. <laughs> that was really challenging. I actually really enjoy playing at Edmonton. Uh, just because the wind doesn't do anything too crazy there. It's usually uh, not gusting, and I really like the turf there. It's a nice flat field. It's a beautiful stadium, so that's truthfully one of my favorite places to play. All right, and uh, Rob Maver from the Calgary Stampeders joining us tonight. Talking about rivalries this week, you mentioned everything you love about Labor Day and the Battle of Alberta. Uh, you played you played university at Guelph. There's a lot of great rivalries in the Ontario system there. Uh, you grew up in southern Ontario. Um it doesn't even have to be football, Rob, or maybe even it's something you've been enjoyed watching as a spectator rather than as a participant. Give me a rivalry, either past or present, that stands out to you for either the hatred or intensity of the games. Okay, I'm going to stick with football, but I'm going to go to the other side of the border, and I'm going to go Peyton Brady, or Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, everybody at my high school, we were just ravenous Colts fans, so I'm talking about the era when it was Peyton uh, Marvin Harrison, Reggie, Reggie Wayne, Edron James, Dallas Clark, Brandon Stokely, uh, Mike Vanderjat, Hunter Smith, you know, Gary Brackett, that generation of Colts when they were coached by Tony Dungy. And unfortunately, I was on the wrong side of that rivalry because, you know, Tom won <laughs> obviously the majority of those games and he's the best to ever play. But uh, those were always really exciting football games to watch, and I would definitely qualify that as a rivalry. Okay, yeah, those are some beauties for sure. Hey, Rob, thanks for your perspective. It was really great to catch up to you. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter, at rmaver6, uh, and you're a well-spoken athlete. You're representing the Stampeders very well. Thank you so much for your time. Of course. Enjoy the game. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.